afternoon. We call the meeting of the Libby County Board of Commissioners to order. Mr. Brown, has the meeting been properly advertised? It has. Thank you, sir. I see evidence thereof. Good to see everyone. Uh, we'll start our uh, mid-month meeting. Uh, our agenda is not very long tonight, so we hope we can take the uh, adequate amount of time, but, <laughs> but let's not try to drag it out. All right. uh, Mr. Mosley, will you come and lead us in our prayer and pledge, please, sir? Yes, sir. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful for all the blessings that you provide for us. We ask tonight, Father God, that you would uh, gift this deliberative body the wisdom and knowledge to transact the business of the community. I pray that you continue to strengthen them and be with them. This we thank you for in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, sir. Mr. <coughs> Frazier has sent me a message that he's on the way. He's in traffic, but he's on the way. Oh, we need to wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can if you want to. Yeah. Department of Reports going to get right on into it. Mr. Long. I'm not used to being first. No. <laughs> So I'll try to be brief today. You have um, an opening act tonight. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, a lot of good things are going on with the construction in the county. Um, the Gun Branch Fire, uh, Gun Branch Solid Waste Center is kind of moving along again. We've had a lot of trouble with water out there, um, but I think we're starting to, to make a little bit more headway on it. Uh, the Trayport West EMS building, um, that we do have a soft spot in the back in the soil back there. We're trying to let the water heal it's just holding so much water in there we can't get it compacted very well and uh, without spending a bunch of extra money to, to fix it we're trying to let it heal up and see what we can ha make happen there um, the fire station has come along pretty good um, got some wet soils out there that they're having to deal with um, one thing on uh, Barrington Ferry Road and 17 intersection um, Mr. Brown and I had a conversation with DOT and uh, we were awarded some safety funds of about a million and a half dollars for construction of that the improvements at intersection. And I remember we were looking at doing a roundabout there that uh, to take care of traffic at that intersection. So uh, those are actually those funds are 2023 construction funds. Um, may get slipped back to 2024 construction funds, but we're uh, uh, hastily trying to get the plans done on that because uh, we didn't know we had funds so we weren't preparing plans so we're now quickly trying to prepare plans and go through their process to get that together um, the uh, Davis and Select streets should be in the paper today <coughs> the water system improvements should be in the paper today uh, probably next week or the following week we'll have the Bill Carter Road in the paper um, I skipped around a little bit because I was going by memory instead, and I apologize. Uh, we're working hard on getting the uh, sidewalks done for Commissioner Frazier, and um, those are the main issues that I kind of wanted to go over unless you guys have any other questions. Yes, sir. On the Davidson Select, uh, did you get a chance to meet with uh, Steve and uh, Mayor Willis? I went, Willis. To city, I went to city council. Went to city council, good. I okay. went to city council. 
and look, went over it with them, and they told me to put it out for bid, and that's why I send the paper. Good. Wow. Okay. Excellent. Good. Excellent. Chief, very much needed. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I sent some pictures the other day of uh, Arlington Highway. What do, what are we going to do about that issue on Arlington Highway because it's coming apart? Yes, sir. Um, I was, I did look at those. Um, I actually looked on them Sunday when it was wet. Uh, my wife and I had gone out to dinner, and um, I think what we're going to have to do in a couple of those places is just get a, a patch, you know, bring a milling machine and a patching machine and, and patch some of those because I don't think that just going out there filling them with, uh, you know, coal patch or anything like that is going to last until we get ready to redo all the roads. So I'm, I'm not looking at wholesale fixing everything, getting rid of all the cracks. I just want to go fix the areas that have holes in it. And I know that Clinton went out there and put some uh, – Co-patch in the holes, um, but we're we're going to need to get a little something in it. Getting really close to being finished and ready to put out Limerick Road, and just kind of contemplating. And I, was, I hadn't talked to Mr. Brown about this yet, but throwing a little segment for those repairs on Limerick Road so that I get prices from everybody, and then we just make sure the funding works right and split it out from. What commission and what where the money comes from for that? Mr. Chair, I got one another, and Mr. Brown. The issues on Sandy Run Road dealing with the log trucks, they have towed up that road coming out. <clears throat> so, what are we going to do about what can we do about this? The road is towed up now, period, and they're still coming out on Sandy Run Road coming off of Albert Lambert Road. Did I come out and come across the road? Yeah, I did. They just Beat off the edge of the roads, what they've done. Right. And so. it's, it's, it's tore. It's all busted up. Now, is that going to be on the, I guess it's going to be on the county. Well, it's the city street, right? Yeah, it's actually inside the city. So uh, what what I thought we were going to try to approach, and the chairman, in fact, and I talked about it yesterday after you sent those pictures, uh, was to go ahead and try to get an estimate on what it would take to fix it. I know there's been some conversation limited with the timber company, and I thought we'd present them with that estimate of repair. Good uh, and see where we got there and also put the city of Riceboro engineer in that loop uh, because they are kind of a partner in there so I, you know once we get that estimate and do that I'll we'll furnish that to you keep you in the loop on that uh, Mr. Brown are we still supposed to be holding them to the fire on putting uh, rocks out when they're coming out from the woods so no sir so uh, timber activities and an email I know it was a little hard to follow but timbering activities aren't considered non-point solution or non non non-point source source so, uh, pollution as far as EPD goes and so they do not have to put down the gravel now if they carry that material into the roadway they're responsible for keeping that roadway safe, though, and finding some means to sweep that roadway. So we checked the roadway. The roadway actually didn't have a lot of material being carried into that, um, but Paul was going to go by and see them, make them aware it's their responsibility to sweep that roadway and keep it clean if they do track material out. Okay. So the rocking would apply to um, commercial activities and things like that, like fire station, perfect example, where you see all the rock in there, EMS. Where you see that because that's a commercial activity. Trent. Chairman. Mayor. 
you, you go ahead, Pastor. Uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> Trent, if you would, I, I know I had committed um, not officially on, um, you know, on your project list, but for, for track lane over in Homestown, I did talk when, when I was the commission over there. I did yeah, kinda, yeah, we got a lot done. Yeah, 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 we did get a lot done. Let, let's uh, put that back on your list and um, I'll, I'll get with you and we, we'll take a look at it. But um, I did kind of um, make a soft commitment to that and I'll, I'll follow up on that, you know, okay. as, as funding goes and, um, mm -hmm. and uh, we, we'll see what we need to do with that. Yes, sir. I think you and I are going to ride out there sometime too. So yeah, we'll probably I, I need think, to get together I think and do that. The, the last we talked about it, um, we was we was deciding, you know, how um, not going all the way to the track, but making a cul-de-sac down, you know, this short of the track. And I think right. that's that's kind of where we left it. Yes, but um, we we I'll, I'll meet you down there. I'm, I think I got Monday is a holiday, and um, my week should be pretty pretty clear but I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with you but we'll, well, we'll get down there and take a look you at let it. me know and I'll make it work I will okay thank you all right I was at a, a meeting where you were too <laughs> when this started they were discussing some uh, citizens concern about a particular road and and and, and I said I was thinking about you know I know we have a road priority list um, I'm not sure though if I had to give a grade how, how are we doing because when I listened to their meeting they were they were doing reactionary work as versus following the priority list. Would we be found in that same? Well, I think our priority list needs to get updated because it's been almost 10 years since we did that priority <coughs> list. <coughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. And so, I mean, it would not hurt for us to go re-review all that because some of these roads have had developments that weren't there when we uh, did that. and. The rate of decay on others have changed and traffic patterns have changed, so it wouldn't hurt to redo that. Um, you know, some of the ones that are still at the top of our list are still mm -hmm. really needed, so mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, like yeah. uh, Homestown Road, and uh, that there's a lot of need in that area. Mm -hmm. I, I so, think and then Griffin Road in Waltarville, and there's a bunch of roads that Need some I, help. I think, Mr. Chairman, what we did, we, we, we did rate them. We did put a, mm -hmm. a, a priority to them, but I, I don't think we went as far as to, um, to decide how we were going to uh, address them. You, you know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. don't like go from one to five, five. but yeah. you, you know, we, but we did rate them so that we'll know the ones that needed it. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think that we actually put a plan in place to to let's go from one to five. I, I don't I don't think we did. No. Yeah, we what didn't. we did is we presented a tool that just basically said right. these are roads, worst rating to the best rating, mm -hmm. and then let you as politicians decide which ones you want Public to do service. in your district. <laughs> Public service. <laughs> Oops. You it all in our lap. Trent, I think it was it was the, the political side was the reason why we didn't take any action on them. <laughs> yes, sir. yes, sir. And I know sometimes it's, you know cost is a factor. You know you may yeah. maybe number. This is fact. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. we do need to at least glance at our property to try to keep mm -hmm. us on track as much as yeah. we can. Yes, sir, we do. I was going to say, I'm sorry. Did, um, Clinton and I was talking about that early last week because he's concerned about the shape that some are getting in. Yes. That yeah. used not to be too bad because all the reasons mm -hmm. now that you're I talking see. about they are. Uh, so if we can go through and re-look re at the shape of the roads that we're having to maintain, especially in the unincorporated areas but as well as incorporated because that would fall on those cities. But 
I think probably well, you and he, he get together. I'd like to really have that done before the splosh seven money starts to flow well, so that you can see the shape and decide whether how you want to attack that. That flow starts in April? Uh, we start getting proceeds in April, but April. you won't, well, we'll start getting proceeds actually in May. May. Yes, sir. I can go ahead. Uh, one of my employees is retired DOT, and that's what he did was ride around rate roads. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can let him hit some of our top roads and the ones we know that are bad and just kind of get some some good readings on those mm -hmm. and kind of bring that back. That way I don't hit everything. You know, because last time we hit, like, every single county road, and it took mm -hmm. months to yeah. do it. And I, so, <coughs> Trent, did we say I may have missed it on Bill Cotter Road? Are you ready to put that one out, you said? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. And I know, too, from that meeting, I thought about to Commissioner Jones. Uh, they were trying to explain to the citizens, you know, how, how road work works, and they weren't really understanding, you know, minds the words, come do it now kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. so as commissioners, we, we have to be educators you know, uh, to, our, to our citizenry, just, just how this thing works, because uh, this person seemed to think that night theirs were the worst of the worst of the worst. When uh, then the mayor was trying to explain, there even some dirt roads, you know. Um, so a lot of it's incumbent upon us to do our best to try to explain to citizens how the mm -hmm. process works. Right. Uh, but you make a valid point in saying that you know conditions could have changed since it, certainly since Absolutely. ten years ago. No doubt about that. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. Mr. Chairman, um, I wanted to talk to this Friedman Grove and. Um, you call it Friedman Grove and Limerick Road, or you call them both those the same road, Commissioner Jones? No, sir. It's but the, the the state money, Trent, uh, is going to go to what now? To the roundabout, or you said there's a possibility? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Barrington Carey and one and uh, 17, so it's over near Rice. Barrington Ferry. Barrington Ferry, 17, Lewis Fraser Road. Where they all come together, that little triangle mm -hmm. right there. So that's part of the de facto bypass kind of around Hinesville. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where the, that money's coming from. Well, will that have to be bid, Joy? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about at a state level. Um, actually, no. I think we want to try to bid that mm -hmm. there, and just let them give us the funds. That way we can control the timing on it and everything better. And the design and everything. Remember that the, the, the roundabout at Crossroads and the roundabout at Barrington Ferry and Lewis Frazier, those, those are the two that Trent's been working on for quite some time now mm -hmm. as a part of the bypass configuration. G dots. Well, I, I, I know that Commissioner Jones had mentioned the roundabout there at Highway 17 and Limerick. Oh, yeah. Well, and the other side of Limerick is Friedman Grove, is that mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Okay. And and that's what we're looking at. <coughs> no, no, no. Uh -uh. no. Back down no. at Barrington. That's what he had. We had I, Mr. Chairman, I had discussed um, maybe looking at doing a roundabout at that intersection, but it wasn't in the plans at the time, and I haven't heard any more about where we headed with that intersection yet. Mm -hmm. I spoke with some folks from the state, and nobody seems to have that on their radar at the moment. So the money that we were able to get, it was a grant that was actually submitted by GDOT. 
and it had to really be tied into some phase of their traffic pattern movement, which is kin to the bypass coming off of 119 and making that loop. Right. That's why they submitted those two projects in there, and only one got funded with mm -hmm. federal funds. Okay. Mr. Long, you said you had a drawing of uh, another good rendering of uh, the roundabout at Barrington Ferry and 119. I have a rendering. It's close, but it'll change a little bit. So my approaches will change, my approach islands. Um, what I had drawn was just a concept to get my point across. You know, now that I've got the design, I've got to come up with a real concept plan where I put the real radiuses, the real, you know, as you come into roundabouts, you know, you always have like an island that separates you before right. you start going mm -hmm. and you got the truck apron in the middle. All that'll change a little bit, but for the most part, the way the road 17 approaches and leaves and the way Barrington Ferry Road comes into it, and then what we'll do is we'll take Lewis Frazier and tie Lewis Frazier into Barrington Ferry instead of. No, but I, 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 don't, I don't see a problem probably with the one at Lewis Frazier, Barrington Ferry. I'm looking at the one at the uh, four-way stop. Yes, sir. That uh, one's going to be a little closer. Because uh, I've got, a, got an issue with one tree. One and tree. then the. Convenience stores kind of open, and I'm gonna be kind of hitting a couple of, I'll be right on a couple of their parking spaces, and then you know the way the lighting and all is done there, I have to kind of redo that. Because we have to consider the fact of the log trucks <coughs> coming through, and we have to keep a big enough radius so those logging trucks can make it around the corner. Right. Because we want to deter them from going straight. We want them to go around the bypass and then go back up to the 17 in Barrington Ferry and then back instead of cutting through under all the oak trees. Mm. It's gonna be hard, but that's what we eventually want to try to do. Well, the one thing I noticed, you didn't put the word in, they should. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to what I was talking to you about, Trent. You mentioned that you may be able to get some funding to fix the ripples on, on Islands Highway by using this bid here? Is that what you're saying? No, sir. Mm -mm. No. no, sir. Try to have somebody bid on both of them or just the contractor trying to get him to... to... I'm not following you there, what you're saying. Are you going to ask for... Okay, so let, let, me, let me back up and just make it a little bit more simple. I'm gonna ha I have a set of plans that I'm going to be putting out for Limerick Road. As part of that, I've got... Uh, all the improvements along Limit Road, and that contract is primarily for an asphalt company, and that that's right. that's going to be the general contractor. Now, I've got several patches on Islands Highway that need to take place. What I'm probably going to do is just have a little optional, an extra sheet that says we need to mill out and patch these areas, and let that be part of the contract for Limit Road so that when he comes to do Limerick Road, he does that and he does the patches. Now, the funding would have to, you know, Joey and I have to figure out uh, exactly how that gets funded, but that's probably going to be our easiest way to get a competitive bid on those improvements on Islands Highway. So you're t still talking about time frame, Joey. What, you, what do you think? I mean, a year? Oh, no. No, no, no. not on the Limerick Road stuff. So oh. if, if, it, if it hits the streets, 30 I'm days. 30 days hit the streets, um, so I'm probably yeah. 90 days from fixing it or less. Yeah. Okay. With a permanent fix, yeah. Mm -hmm. Semi-permanent fix. 
90 days, give or take, give 120? Or take 90 to 120, somewhere around there. Okay, well, I just was trying to listen to what you were saying there, and I know the part that I've seen on Islands Highway is needs to be fixed yesterday. And yeah, I just um, was wondering if we're going to wait for another contract or is it going to be better off for us to try to... Well... Y'all make I, the decision. Yeah, I, I guess... Uh, I mean, really, I don't, I'm just trying to say if you're going to try to wait on it or are you going to try to have it done because the, the, we're still talking about where the uh, piece of equipment come through? Mm, or is this going? No, no, it's this really on this, this way. Huh? Mm -hmm. it's, up it's, it's up above it. Most of it is where the repairs were done right there at the intersection of Sunbury Road, and then there are several other little places all up and down. So you know, I, I don't think that we can say that it was a result of that piece of equipment from several. Well, some years of the some of that was done by the the asphalt. I mean, whoever laid yeah. the asphalt. Yeah. So. Yeah, some of it was, but I think a good portion of it was, Trent, from yes. the second entrance all the way back to the interstate, mm -hmm. we're going to be having to eat that because somebody else, I mean, I know that if it'll bounce your stuff around in the truck when you go over it running 55. And it does. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll be glad to go look at it with you and let's kind of talk about that and that we kind of get it all covered well, and what we think is going on. It's not in my district. It's in Commissioner Stevens and Commissioner Jones. But, I mean, I just listening to you talking about this thing, and, um, I mean, I think it needs to be fixed quick as we can. And I don't know that waiting on another bid to come in is the right thing to do. I if mean, it's not, if we can certainly do – we can pull it out and get prices. Mm -hmm. I, I'll get with Trent, too, because Clinton and I were talking about <clears throat> somebody else that did that work. I don't know if they do grinding, though. That's the only thing. But let, let's get together. We'll get together and see if we need to go ahead and short fix that. Okay. I'm glad to do that. All right. How about keeping me updated on that, Trent? I'll be glad to. Okay. We will. I think we're talking about trying to get the remainder of that funding out of District 1 or wherever that was. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, out of District 2, so she's not here. <laughs> we will. Yes, sir. The uh, Limerick Road and Friedman okay. Grove Road, though, is it? It's going to play into the bypass, right, Joey? Not to the bypass. No. Nothing at all? We don't have – is Friedman Grove considered a historic road? No, okay. Right. Yes. In our hearts. In, in the hearts, <laughs> yeah. In, in our well, hearts. Well, I'm, I'm asking because of the reason – I don't know why we can't get some kind of funding on that. It's never been brought up before, but – I'm sure Commissioner Jones can get us enough signatures. That <laughs> I mean, there's not a, a Lovett Lane around here or a thrift. There's one thrift lane, but. Mm -hmm. All right. Sorry about the faux pas earlier. Um, <laughs> Mr. Chairman, Mr. Brown, I guess I came on board after y'all had done the uh, road priority list. Could I get a copy of that list because I've never leave here I'll try to go ahead and email it to you okay we, so. me and Gary's got one we'll help you with it <laughs> what, what it was Mr. Jones it really wasn't a priority that the board adopted that they're necessarily going down it was a rating of the roads and the condition of the roads yeah. 
and then as funding came up or funding was assigned, whether mostly through LMEG, mm -hmm. then you kind of referred to that list, but it hadn't been a, a fast and hard rule that the county followed, right. that y'all followed that list. Well, so, not. but it, what you'll see is a road rating analysis is really what it is. Shows the worst to the best. Because I've had a, several constituents um, from my district since I've been here that have referred to a road priority list and um, I had never heard of one or never was aware of one. So I've been bombarded with that work, uh, priority list and um, that was new to me. So I understand a little more about it now and I can educate them about that. Each commissioner, I think in their minds or maybe on paper, had their own priorities yeah. they wanted to work in their district mm -hmm. that may or may not have been associated with the road ratings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Joe, if, if you could um, not only get Commissioner Jones a copy of it, which would be good for him to be brought up to that, but it, bring it to the workshop if we'll you do. Could, we could just, we put it on there just to, we'll do. so we could just talk about it briefly. Thank you, sir. Listen, we have in our presence tonight a newly elected district attorney for the Atlantic Judicial Circuit, and we are honored to have him come to give us an overview of the vision he has for the circuit. Yes, sir, Chairman, love it. Yes, sir. Commissioners, thank you all for the opportunity to come speak tonight. Um, what has precipitated this is a few meetings that I've had with Mr. Mosley and Ms. Woodworth and Mr. Brown. And we've been talking about uh, various issues that, that we're working on, and they thought it would be a good idea to come before you all and kind of give you a little <coughs> bit of an overview about some things that we're doing at the DA's office um, and kind of what our vision is for the future. Um, I know most of y'all do know me, but for the folks that are listening that don't, my name is Billy Joe Nelson. Um, as uh, Chairman Lovett said, I, I was newly elected January the 1st, so I'm about a month and a half in on on my new job, and let me tell you, it has been a learning experience. <laughs> and will be. Yes, in this first month and a half, but, but I am very excited about where our office is going. I'm, I'm really excited about some of the changes that we've implemented in this first month and a half, um, and, and I'd like to give you all just a little bit of a, uh, an overview of that. So we've got a little bit of a PowerPoint, and there are a lot of these slides that I think are included in y'all's packet. I'm not going to belabor a lot of the points that are on there because you do have those, and I know you got a lot of folks you need to get to. So <clears throat> I have included in here uh, our mission statement and our vision. Essentially, to boil it down into a summary, we at, at the DA's office are working to uh, efficiently, fairly, and justly prosecute cases within our judicial circuit that includes the six counties of Bryan, Evans, Leary, Long, McIntosh, and Tattnall counties um, in the pursuit of justice through prosecuting these cases. That's, that's what we want to do. We want to um, instill the principles of, of working ethically, um, instill accountability, work ethic, and leadership in all the employees that we have in our office. That's what we are working to lay a foundation to do that now. We've got some overarching goals, uh, obviously providing for, for the peace and public order and safety in our communities to serve the community, obviously working to oppose crime within our communities through prosecution, uh, being firm and fair in the pursuit of justice. It's not justice at all costs, it's justice uh, in an ethical and fair manner. 
conducting criminal investigations and prosecutions within our office through the investigative <coughs> side uh, of the DA's office, ensuring that the victims and witnesses of our crimes are treated with dignity and respect. Uh, as, as the DA, I, I feel like I have three uh, clients, so to speak. I have the people at large, I have uh, our law enforcement community that we work hand in hand with, and victims of crimes. We want to make sure that they're treated fairly <clears throat> through the process. Uh, maintaining professional standards at a high level, uh, giving legal advice uh, to our public officials when needed, uh, having a professional working environment, having high ethical standards, and earning the respect of our citizens through doing our job the right way. The three tenets that I try to live by and work uh, in the DA's office with are leadership, work ethic, and accountability. Those are the three things that I preach to our employees every day. If we can, if we can uphold those three, we're on a good road and a good path towards being successful in what we do. A little flow chart of, of how our office is structured, and I will say um, currently we don't have an office manager per se. We're having to kind of farm those duties out amongst various individuals. Um, at some point we would like to try to have an office manager where that's dedicated, but you've got the district attorney, we've got our chief assistant, um, who I will brag about a little bit. We've just hired a gentleman named Greg McConnell. Uh, he worked at our office from 2010 to 2012. He's predominantly been in Chatham County for most of his career uh, in Cobb County as in the solicitor's office, but he's got 38 years of prosecutorial experience. He was the chief assistant in Chatham County under the uh, last DA, Meg Heap. Um, we actually used some ARPA funding to get Mr. McConnell back um, into our circuit, and we are very fortunate to have him. He is a resource that I can't state how valuable somebody like he is. Uh, he is, he has got uh, just so much experience that you can't find every day. So we're glad to have him back. We have our, our accountability and child support prosecutor. She's actually here tonight, Miss Antonucci. She's here in the crowd. She had never been to a uh, commissioner's meeting, and she said, "Well, since you're going to talk, I'd like to go sit in." So we thought it'd be a good time for her to come. Trying in. to be on our best behavior for you. <laughs> She's got about 20 years of legal experience, and she does a great job for us. We have seven uh, other superior court ADAs and two juvenile court ADAs that operate. In our investigative division, we have a chief investigator, Mr. Jim Gray, and, and two investigators that work um, with him as the supervisor and then two investigators under him, four victim witness advocates, 10 administrative assistants, and we have the child support division, which is also something that I oversee, but it's kind of a separate wing from the DA's office. So uh, we've also kind of included a little bit about our um, demographics with the latest census population, the popu uh, population number, um, and you've got listed <coughs> our personnel. Initiatives that we have already implemented and some that we are trying to implement in the process of. We uh, are really harping on implementation of policy and procedure manual in our office. Uh, that is something that has been kind of done in a memo fashion in the past. We're trying to get a little bit more thorough with that. The biggest things that we've hit on here in the first month and a half are attendance policy, the dress code policy, social media usage, um, the appropriate way to do that, um, appropriate use of county resources, uh, and, and accountability overall within the office, a method of checks and balances to make sure people are doing their job appropriately. We've revamped the criminal investigative division. Um, 
We have a renewed emphasis on law enforcement activity uh, within our investigators. All of our investigators are post-certified law enforcement officers. Uh, they all have bachelor degrees, uh, mostly in criminal justice, um, and have been uh, previous police officers and are now serving us as investigators. Um, in, in just an example of that, at 4.30 this morning, we actually went out and we're at a briefing with our sh local sheriff's office here in Liberty County and, and assisted on a search warrant. So if I look tired, that's why I've been, I've been up for a while. Um, but all of our investigators and myself went out and did that. So uh, we're trying to get back into a law enforcement role with our investigators, uh, serving to support the local agencies in our circuit, all of the sheriff's offices, the police departments. Um, we wanna make sure that they know that we're a resource for them. Uh, and that's on, on the ADA level as well as the investigator level. Um, we're trying to make sure that they understand that we're here to provide services that can make them uh, more efficient and more successful. We'll be conducting in-house investigations on certain types of cases where our local agencies uh, are not able to do those investigations or maybe don't think there's enough evidence. We will take a look at the, those investigations from citizens that bring them to us. And then one of the future uh, initiatives we want to uh, implement is a gang intelligence unit. That's something that's becoming a bigger issue across the state. Um, you've probably seen uh, our attorney general and our governor uh, harping on trying to curb gang violence and gang activity. Um, it's a big issue at the state level and we want to try to implement uh, some measures within our office to serve as an intelligence unit because we serve all six counties of the circuit, it's logical for us to house that information within our investigative division. So we're, we're making strides uh, within that division. We have an increased <coughs> emphasis on case efficiency, uh, trying to work with our ADAs on methods to try to streamline cases so we can resolve cases earlier on the front end so we don't have cases lingering one, two, three, four years. We want to try to get those resolved at, at the outset. Um, which makes everything flow uh, more smoothly when we start talking about uh, what we call plea and motion calendars and calendar call and trial periods. And in uh, sentencing guidelines, we've, uh, I've had some meetings with Superior Court judges about trying to make things a little more uniform across the circuit, across the board, so we don't have different results in let's say Tattnall County versus Liberty County versus McIntosh County. We want to have the, some of the same expectations across the board. We have made great strides with new hires in the office. Um, dating back into last year uh, before I took over, we've hired four new ADAs, um, most of which have come from Chatham County. Uh, they have been huge assets to our office. We're, we've uh, are talking about folks that have uh, 38 <coughs> years of experience, 25 years of experience, 20 years of experience, um, and another, another young lady that's got about 12 years of experience. So we're hiring experienced prosecutors that are able to come in and hit the ground running. We're not having to really train people. They're coming in and they're immediately able to move these cases effectively. We are utilizing the ARPA funds. Um, we've currently uh, hired an assistant DA, Mr. McConnell, also an administrative assistant. We are actively uh, working, I think uh, this morning we posted a job for a victim witness advocate that would be ARPA funded, uh, as well as one more ADA position, assistant DA position that we're trying to fill. So we're making the most of those funds while we have those available. Uh, 
we're trying to make things a little more efficient uh, from the financial side of, by combining positions within the office. So I'm, I'm taking a couple of positions for administrative <coughs> assistance, and rather than having to pay two people to do that job, I'm trying to reorganize some things where we can actually get one person that can perform two functions within uh, one salary. Uh, that is also something we're trying to do uh, in moving forward with uh, an office manager and an executive assistant that would actually be the administrative assistant to the DA. We're going to try to combine those as well. So we're, we're doing what we can to try to combine positions to help with that. Uh, and then also collaborate with our Superior Court judges and public defenders to increase the efficiency of how we're handling cases. Um, you're seeing the word efficiency a lot. That is something that I harp on uh, with our employees, with everybody within the criminal justice system. We're trying to make it as efficient as possible so we can clear case backlogs and we can administrate justice and achieve justice through closing these cases out as quickly as we can and not letting them linger. Um, particularly on the victim side, when you let a case linger four and five years, those folks can't get closure. And that's something that we're trying to, to address with how we're handling our cases. We want to get those closed on the front end and be more efficient. One other thing that I did not mention, um, we are working through grant funding to try to get uh, more resources for the office. We were just successful in getting uh, a grant to provide bulletproof vests for all of our investigators. We're actively um, applying now for some equipment grants to, to get upgraded equipment around the office as well as some uh, salaried positions. So we're actively seeking grants um, now, which is something we've not done in the past. Uh, current structure of how our uh, office is set up, we currently operate on a two-county team system within our office. That has been the way we've operated for the last 25 years or so. Um, you can see some of the numbers. Essentially, we, we have most of our, the highest number of ADAs in, on the Liberty Long Team. Liberty County carries the most cases. It has the biggest population. We're trying to put more of our resources into Liberty County to try and, and get caseloads down. Um, our Brian McIntosh team, you can see we've got two assistant DAs that work there. Uh, two assistant DAs that work in the Tattnall Evans. They can handle that in-house, but if they commit serious violent felonies while in the prison system, that falls on our office to prosecute as well. So that is becoming an increasingly uh, difficult issue to deal with. Um, so I, I would say that Liberty and Tattnall County are the two counties that we have to focus our efforts on the most right now. Uh, we do have a juvenile court division that has two ADAs, um, and then our accountability court and child support uh, prosecutor. And, uh, we, are, we are almost at a one-to-one -one ratio of administrative assistance to ADAs. That is really the best ratio to have. It seems like the work uh, is handled a lot more efficiently when you have that ratio of one-to-one. -one. Uh, and every team does have a, a victim advocate. With the exception of accountability court and child support, uh, we have to kind of utilize everybody to fill that role. And then we have our three post-certified investigators as well. <clears throat> Looking into the future, my proposed structure for the office, and I, I spoke it at length with Mr. Mosley and Mr. Brown about this, because Liberty County and Tattnall County uh, are our um, heaviest caseloads within the circuit, my goal is to try to break them off to be their own team. Uh, I think that having to split uh, resources, manpower, time, attention between, let's say, a Liberty County and a Long County, I think it, it's a little inefficient to do it that way. Liberty County deserves a dedicated team of prosecutors that, that look only at Liberty County. 
and I feel the same way about Tattnall County. I think where we are right now, that's what I'd like to do in the future. Um, and then pairing up Bryan and Evans County and then McIntosh and Long County, those are pretty logical pairings because Bryan and Evans are geographically contiguous. Same thing with McIntosh Long, they neighbor each other. They share a 911 system. And Bryan and McIntosh County carry virtually the same caseload every year. If you look at it annually, about the same caseload as well as Evans and Long County carry about the same caseload with each other. So it balances the caseload across the board in handling it this way. Uh, the other divisions, virtually, we wouldn't change. We keep those the same as they are. And, and we are looking to try to uh, get a dedicated position for an office manager and an executive assistant in the future. Reasons we want to do this, increase case efficiency, uh, particularly for Liberty County. Uh, that is right now the number one uh, focus is to try to get case backlogs down here in Liberty. Um, balancing caseloads across the circuit through all the counties. Um, trying to get the personnel that we have in the counties with the greatest need. I've talked about that with Liberty and Tattnall County. And then uh, one of the things that we often don't factor into what we do as a DA's office and why our caseloads are what they are, we have some kind of what I call hidden sources of, of cases, which uh, include having I-95 run through three <coughs> of our coastal counties. Um, McIntosh County has always had a really strong emphasis on working drug interdiction and crimes that happen on 995. In the last couple of years with Sheriff Bowman coming on board and Sheriff Crow in Bryan County, they have ramped up efforts to work uh, the interstate as well with the heat team in Liberty County and then also the interdiction team in Bryan County. So we're seeing more felony cases as a result of their increased efforts on the interstate. Uh, we also have I-16 that runs through Bryan County. Uh, we have Fort Stewart which is not always included in you know, population data, but we do handle a lot of cases that occur on Fort Stewart and then also dealing with the soldiers that are on Fort Stewart. And then we also have five Georgia Department of Correction facilities within our circuit as well. Uh, three within Tattle County. We also have uh, a women's facility in Evans County as well as Long State Prison in Long County. So we handle all the felony cases that derive from those uh, facilities as well. I'm gonna kind of run through these real fast. These are just some comparisons from other circuits that have similar population data. You have that in your packets. You can look at um, kind of where we, we rank among some of these uh, other circuits that are similar size. And that's all I got for you guys. I appreciate, again, the opportunity to talk with you all um, about some of the things we're doing. Like I say, um, in this transitional period, I will tell you that the folks you have working for you here, Mr. Mosley, Ms. Woodworth, Mr. Brown, they have been an extreme help. Um, it's been a great transition so far. Uh, we're really excited about the, the future of our office, uh, the future of the circuit, the future of Liberty County. I think it looks bright. Um, and we appreciate everything y'all do for us. Um, it's gonna be a good partnership, I think, going forward. And anything we can do to help you guys, please let us know where we're always available. So any questions? He, he didn't mention Samantha. So he hadn't had it. Oh, I have not had a chance to talk no, with her yet. Yeah. <laughs> but we're starting no. the budget, Mr. Chairman. He'll meet you. Brain candy. <laughs> you have a car at the biggest heart. 
I do have a business card. It is my old assistant DA card. I'll tell you, Miss O'Hagan at BIP says I should have my new cards in within maybe a week or two. So just, I will get you all my information. Just, just, just give me. Just yes, sir. Absolutely. I'm going to recommend while you're here, too. Um, Got somebody needs to keep an eye on He's not here right now. You put him on the spot. No, I, see, I, you put him on the spot. I'm not talking about him. I didn't call him no name. Yes, you did. Ms. Nelson, I don't know if you have you met Miss Carissa Young? College and Career Academy. She's Actually, right yes, we did just talk. Yeah, did you uh, just talk before? Yes, sir. I know they have uh, criminal justice as a pathway, so I thought, hmm, yeah, absolutely. And, and I just encourage you. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and do this publicly because it's true. Sheriff Bowman is so visible in the community. Please embrace that philosophy. We we are working to do that as well, and that's something that that I personally am trying to do. I've I've had the. Uh, Good fortune of going to a few uh, events in Long County so far, um, and 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 that's one of the things that I want everybody in our office to try and do is is on that leadership tenant, get out in the community, be active, be be visible. Um, it only it only improves uh, the, our office to be out and be active in the community. So that's something we're trying to do. Uh, when you said you bring in your new. Um ADAs, I'm not sure where they're coming from, but I'm sure there's a process, a screening process. Yes, sir. Because being a new kid on the block, you want to make sure their accent or enhance what you're doing. Absolutely. As versus the opposite. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The folks we have brought in, uh, luckily, the way it has worked out, the majority of, the, of those folks have come in. They are actually residents of the circuit. So we're bringing in people that are um, residents of, of our circuit, can be active in our communities. Um, and I've really been pleased so far with how they fit into the office, and, and I think they're going to be assets. Good, good. Look forward to working with you, sir. Yes, sir. Same here. I had a question, uh, Mr. Nelson. You, we were looking at numbers there on our circuit. Yes, sir. At what point do you, I mean, we, we already know that Liberty and Long is is growing, so at what point do we uh, can we start to, to be looking at you good, You need more help? I think that would be an accurate statement, yes, <laughs> Commissioner Walden. Yeah, with, with the growth, I mean, we're fortunate within our circuit, the majority of our counties are growing at, at a pretty rapid rate, and that's because of good economic uh, policy that's been put in place. We've got good economic development folks that are um, really enhancing our communities that makes people want to move here. But with that comes increased crime. It's something we're going to have to deal with. Um, Liberty County is growing at a really fast pace. Long County is growing at a fast pace. Bryan County, I think we all know what, what's happening over there with some of these plants that are coming in. Um, it is going to be a need that we have going forward. Um, I think that we're at a point now where we're, we're kind of having to rob Peter to pay Paul. We're taking ADAs that are assigned to certain teams. We're actually having to just make them cross uh, work across other teams as well to go supplement because we are kind of at a point uh, where caseloads are getting to be difficult to manage. So I, I do think that's something we're looking at. We, we've always, since I've been on the board, and I can remember back when Mr. Underwood was the DA and, of course, Mr. Chaney, and um, you, you know, it's reactive. You know, we've always been reactive, and you kind of 
you're looking at numbers and you're knowing that the population is going to increase, well, and, and of course your job is going to have to have more individuals, which means we need to be looking at where's the next building going? Have we got property there to go bigger or something? It's um, I mean, it, it, it's really good to have somebody that can, you know, go ahead and look at things like that. Sure. I I think uh, you know Jeff would be a great guy to go ahead and just put him on. <laughs> He don't have that much to do. Him oh my gosh! <laughs> but, no, but seriously, I I just uh, you know we you get caught here sometimes, and you just say, why didn't we think about that? Right. Um, I, I agree. It's been mentioned a few times in some of the meetings that we've had again with Mr. Mosley and Mr. Brown. Um, we've talked a little bit about those issues. Obviously, at the forefront is, is right now would be personnel. We do have. A small amount of space we can uh, leverage with what we have at the Justice Center combined with our office at uh, on 196. Um, so personnel is it would probably be the first thing, but but I think eventually we are looking at running out of space. That's something we are going to have to contend with. Um, I'm not sure on the exact date, but I know we've been in that building on 196 for probably 40, 50 years. Yeah, it's um, been a while. It's been a while. So. Yeah, but you know, Eddie, uh, Jeff was the guy that I wanted him to keep the eye on, but not, <laughs> not, not, not that you done got him a job over there. So, you know, I'll I give you your number back. I don't need it. Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Please every, every, reach out if you want to. Every now and then, pop in on us. Yes, sir. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Right. Call us before we call you. Fiscal <laughs> year 2022 audit, Trey Scott. Hello, Mr. Scott. Well, good evening. Good evening. Mr. Chairman, commissioners. Uh, again, my name's Trey Scott. I'm with uh, Malden and Jenkins. I was the partner who oversaw the audit of the county's June 30, 2022 financial statements, and pleased to be here with you all this evening to discuss the results of that audit. Just kind of give you an idea of why I'm here today. Uh, give you a quick introduction to Malden and Jenkins. I think you all know who we are, but just in case you don't, uh, go over our independent auditor's report, our compliance reports, your financial statements, uh, go over some required communications with you, and then certainly answer any questions that you all may have. Really quickly about Malden and Jenkins, been around for over 100 years. Uh, we serve over 650 governmental entities throughout the southeast. We do this across 13 offices in five states. Uh, and the, the office that serves the county is our Savannah, Georgia office. But I think of particular importance to you all is our audit opinion on your financial statements. I think as you all know, uh, that big thick document that I think you all were given maybe a little over a month ago, your, your audited, your uh, annual comprehensive financial report, that's the responsibility of management. Uh, it's our responsibility as your auditor to provide opinions on that financial information based on our audit. Um, we do that by following uh, generally accepted auditing standards and, and government auditing standards. Uh, and I'm pleased to report to you all today that we were able to issue the county a clean uh, or what we call an unmodified opinion. Uh, and what that basically means is that your financial statements, this ACFR presents fairly uh, the financial position and the results of the county's operations as of June 30, 2022. And that's what you're looking for is a clean opinion. It's uh, the highest level of assurance that we can provide to you uh, as your external auditor. 
Also, in case you weren't aware, you all go above and beyond the, the basic reporting requirements of a local government. You present an act for an annual comprehensive financial report. Outside of your basic financial statements, you also present an introductory section and a statistical section. Uh, and that's certainly something I think the that management, the finance department should be commended for for, for going above and beyond. Uh, that, that act for is submitted each year annually to the Government Finance Officers Association and their Certificate of Achievement for Excellence in Financial Reporting uh, program. And you all have received that certificate 19 years in a row. This 2022 act for would be the 20th. So uh, I'm not aware of too many local governments that have received the award for 20 years consecutively. So that's certainly a... Uh, a commendable um, item as well. So just wanted to make sure you all were aware of that. Also included in your act for a couple of compliance reports, the yellow book reports where we report any kind of issues to you. We've had some findings in the past, I think four last year, but for 2022, we were down to two. So that's certainly uh, moving in the right direction. And uh, you all brought on a new finance director this year as well. So uh, I anticipate that that, that number is going to decrease uh, to one or possibly none next year. So uh, certainly moving in the right direction as it relates to the findings. Anytime you all spend more than $750,000 in federal expenditures, you're required to have a single audit of your major grant programs. Your ARPA, Coronavirus State and Local Fiscal Recovery Funds were new this year and you spent a significant amount of those. Uh, so that was the program that we looked at, had no findings or issues as it related to your compliance with, with your grant program. So certainly a good thing as well. Really quickly about your financial statements and the numbers. I'm sure everybody's excited to see a bunch of numbers up there on a page. Uh, but you present two sets of financial statements in this act. For you, you've got government-wide financial statements that take all of your funds, roll it all up into one column. Uh, it gives you kind of a global big picture view of the county's finances. Uh, and these you really only see one time a year when you look at this act for. And so if we look at that kind of big picture view, there's a couple of things down there at the bottom, that second to last bullet point. It says $17 million deficit unrestricted. And a lot of people would go, oh my, that's, that's a deficit, that's terrible. Well, not necessarily, because GASB requires us to report a lot of things in those financial statements. A lot of long-term liabilities, like those uh, retirement payments we have to pay our retirees for, for pension and, and for their, their health insurance and those kinds of things. And if you look at that, that bullet point that's right above it, you'll see you've got 45.4 million in a net pension liability and OPEB liability that's included there. So if we back that out, because you know you're not going to have to pay that $45.4 million tomorrow, you're not going to have to pay it next year, that's a long-term liability that you're going to pay over the course of many, many, many years. Uh, that turns that deficit into a, into a positive net position. So looking at that deficit, you see a deficit that's nothing to be concerned about in your government-wide financial statement. So I just wanted to make sure you all were aware of that. Uh, I'm more of a graph guy. And uh, picture guy when I when I when I take a look at books, so uh, I have thrown a few graphs in here. One of the most common questions I get is, "How healthy are we?" Uh, and and an audit's not designed to tell you whether you're healthy or not, uh, but there are certain places you can look, financial indicators, if you will, that can tell you uh, if if you're healthy or not. And one of the places I like to look and see is, "What are we doing with our?" Our, our excess funds, are we reinvesting in our system? And that's what a local government should be doing. And if we look at this graph, if we look at the blue column, that's our depreciable assets. That's what we paid. The green column is the accumulated depreciation. So over time, those assets, as they get older, they depreciate in value, right? If that green column was much closer to that blue column, it would tell me that our assets <coughs> are old, that we're not really reinvesting in our system. But the disparity between those two 
gives me comfort in knowing that the county continues to reinvest in its system. So that's a good looking healthy graph as it relates to your capital asset activity uh, and, and the reinvestment into the county. Uh, now, what you all are more apt to, to looking at, I think what you see more on a monthly basis are, are your fund level financial, financial statements and specifically your, your general fund. Uh, and I wanted to point out a couple of things about your general fund as well. We were talking a little bit about health a few moments ago. Uh, those last two bullet points for the general fund, eight months of expenditures and unassigned fund balance. That's a very healthy number for a June 30 year end. Uh, your property tax driven revenue type government, you rely on those property taxes. Uh, and so we've collected all of those in December. We got another six months before we collect the next property tax revenue cycle. So we certainly need to rely on what we've got in fund balance, what we've got in our cash to be able to get through to that next property tax cycle. So eight months of expenditures is a very healthy place to be. Another place I like to look is what's your liquid ratio? How many times can we pay our current liabilities, our accounts payable, our, our, our current bills, right? Our payroll, how many times could we pay those uh, with the current assets that we have on hand. And as of June 30, you could almost have done that seven times. So that's a good, strong, liquid position. You can look at assets all day, that $37.9 million number, but if those aren't good liquid assets, you can't pay your bills with them. Uh, so it's, it's really not a healthy number without looking, kind of digging a little bit deeper. So uh, general fund, very healthy at June 30, 2022. Uh, and here's just kind of a graphical view of it as well. That's a good, healthy looking graph. I like to see revenues increasing, which is what that blue column is, your, your expenditures are gonna follow suit, uh, those increasing as well. But fund balance also continues to grow, both your, your total fund balance and your unassigned fund balance as well. So good, healthy trends to see over the course of the last six years. Solid waste fund, your biggest enterprise fund, uh, does have a little bit of a deficit, but if we look at this graph, we've done a really good job of, of, of decreasing <coughs> that deficit, and we need to continue to try to do that. It did grow just a little bit this year, uh, but. If we go back, we can see we did reinvest in that system $436,000 in capital asset additions and also paid down almost $100,000 in debt as it related to the solid waste fund. So uh, we can kind of see why it grew a little bit, but just need to stay on top of that as well. Uh, and then finally, just some things that I'm required to communicate to you all under government auditing standards. Uh, the financial statement disclosures, these footnotes, so it's the majority of these pages in this act for uh, your accounting policies and those estimates. Just wanna make sure y'all are aware that those are the responsibility of management. Uh, and, and they're very integral parts to this, this ACFR. Uh, we had no difficulties in dealing with management, the performance of our audit. We had no disagreements with management. Uh, we had no uncorrected misstatements. All adjustments were posted to the, to, the, to the GL of the county. And we're independent of the county in accordance with all of the applicable standards of our profession. And then finally, these were the two significant deficiencies that I spoke of, the two findings earlier, segregation of duties. Sometimes that one's really hard to, uh, to uh, to mitigate or, 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 or work your way around when you're a county of your size, especially in some of the elected officials' offices, it's, it's not financially feasible sometimes to properly segregate duties. Uh, you know, we didn't find any issues related to fraud, but uh, when, when we do have overlapping duties, that's, that's just one of those findings that we have to report. Very common finding to see uh, at a county of your size. Uh, and then the other, which I firmly believe will, you will not see next year, there are certain uh, 
funds that, that the Governmental Accounting Standards Board requires to be reported as part of the county's general ledger system. Uh, and some of those are kept by the elected officials' offices. Sometimes it's harder to get their hands on those to be able to report those. Uh, but, but if they're not reported that way, it's just one of those things that we feel like the county should have their eyes on, the finance department should have their eyes on because they're supposed to be reported uh, in here. Not that they're not, they were included. It's just something that we wanna see uh, reported in the county's GL system as well. And then finally, just some new GASB standards. I mean, I'm, I could sit here and read these to you for another 30, 45 minutes, but I will uh, certainly spare you. We did implement a pretty large one this year related to leases. Uh, no issues as it related to that. Uh, we'll have a new one next year that, that, that mirrors that lease standard. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, and then pretty much everything else shouldn't have much of an impact on you. If we, if we do decide to, or, or, or realize that it will, we'll work with the finance department on the best course of action on, on implementation of those. And then finally, certainly been a pleasure to serve the county. We look forward to serving you in the future. And if you have any questions, uh, be happy to answer those at this time. Mr. Chairman, I, I actually don't have a, a question per se, but uh, Mr. Scott, this first, there was a good report, but I just like the idea that it's very streamlined. Just to, you know, normally it's a thick book. <laughs> that you can kind of get lost in. Sure. But I, I like this version that you gave us tonight. It was, right. it was really, really good. Easy to understand, too. Thank you. Did you get everything you needed from the employees? Yes, sir. No problems as it related to that. They, uh, they, it's very refreshing, to be honest with you. A lot of places we go, we have to fight with folks to, to get stuff. Uh, but no, they, everybody gives us what we need as quickly as they can possibly get it to us. And like I said, yeah, very refreshing from, from an auditor standpoint. Segregation of duties, significant deficiency. As commissioners, do we, how do we address that? Like I said, I, and, and I would have to go back and look, but I think it's primarily in, in your constitutional officer's offices, just because some of those smaller offices have the lack of, of folks or the, the, the lack of wanting to allow others to look at those types of things. So, like I said, it's, it's not a very, uh, or it's a pretty common significant deficiency to see, especially at a county uh, of your size or, or even smaller counties where, um, so in the, the a constitutional officer's been the constitutional officer for, for 30 years and they're used to doing things their way and, uh, and that's just kind of how it's, it's been done. So again, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to, hard to, uh, to address it sometimes at, at this level. But does that mean, um, Mr. Brown or, or Sam, Samantha, they, they, they are aware uh, of the requirement Sure, we, we they, have they them have the fill, we've had them fill out kind of an internal control questionnaire yeah. every year. Yeah. And you know, if the same person is reconciling the bank statement that takes the cash to the to deposit and those kinds of things, it's listed there that yeah, that's something that, that is certainly a a segregation of duties yeah. right. issue. Well that's one of those things we'll work on like the, the two uh, other deficiencies. All right, sir. Yes sir. I just wanted to know how to how to approach that. Absolutely, and we're happy to help if, if we need to, so. Thank you. You bet, thank you all. Mm -hmm. All right. Someone who's gonna go faster than you did. <laughs>
<laughs> he did very well. He did. Get out of here, Bob. I don't know if I could go that fast. 6.15. You did very well. Leah, really. You did very well. Fast and efficient. I will, I will. Good afternoon or good evening, whatever time of day it is. There we go. I'm here for our biannual update. So rolling through this really quickly for you, but not as quick as your last speaker because I don't know that I could beat him. We like to show lots of photos. So just to go through a couple of these, that top left, Emma, who is our creative and content coordinator, who's passing out goodies to you right now with the Liberty County logo on them, did get a um, scholarship to attend marketing college at Mercer University. So that's that top left photo and she'll leave for her second year of marketing college in June, June, Emma, June, July. Um, we did help with the city of Flemington tree lighting and a, a bunch of other chamber and CVB related stuff. That far right picture though, you probably recognize that gentleman in the middle, Representative Al Williams. We did have a shrimp and grits cook off back in December. Representative Williams did lose. Um, and so did Joey, <laughs> so did Joey Dixon, who is a trained cordon bleu chef. Um, he also lost and the winner is standing in front of you. So wow. if you like shrimp and grits, let me know. <laughs> we have a lot of new marketing content. Um, our new slogan or our new brand that we're working on right now is Keep Life Simple. And that young lady passing out stuff is the one who came up with that. So a lot of our hats, billboards that you'll see, cups, just about anything will have that Keep Life Simple. Just reminding people to take it one day at a time, enjoy your Thank family you. and friends, and get out and explore liberty. So spouse tours is something we continue to do. Our next one is actually next Wednesday. It's gonna be a super busy week. I think we have 25 ladies signed up for that tour. We're getting a lot of international spouses. Um, I guess a lot of our soldiers that are moving here have spouses from Hungary and the Ukraine and Russia. Um, so we're, we're learning a lot um, because we have a hard time understanding a lot of them. Their accents are so thick, um, but they're learning a lot from us. They're learning a lot about y'all. <laughs> um, we also celebrated Historic Preservation Month back in May by um, scrubbing about 50 of those markers that are all around the community. Some of our other photos here, we do celebrate Travel and Tourism Week, so that bottom left, um, most of our hoteliers are Indian, which means that they are probably vegetarians um, or they only eat chicken, so we did um, celebrate them with buckets of fruit because that's something that they really enjoy, all of the owners. Um, again, taking spouse tours out, showing them the tree spirits on Barrington Ferry, which is one of my favorite places to go. Um, if you haven't found all five of them, we're happy to show you where those are. Um, we found that our local elementary schools were having a real problem with water bottles. The schools still haven't reopened the water fountain since COVID started. Um, so the students are allowed to bring water bottles, but a lot of students can't afford a water bottle. So we had water bottles made with our logos on it and gave some to all the schools so that those students were um, still able to have refillable water bottles. Um, we did a booth at the Selfie Studio, which if you haven't been, it's right here in downtown Hinesville. Again, Representative Williams serving as our model extraordinaire. <laughs> in our booth. Um, he enjoys that. We are actually redoing it next week, if I remember correctly, with photos of Liberty County. That's old coastal carriers that we took and stained with tea and made them look old so they were a little more vintage. Um, we've done several trade shows in the last six months. Um, we did the new teacher orientation for all the new teachers <coughs> that come into the Liberty County school system. We pass out sample itineraries to them to try to encourage them to do local field trips instead of taking the students out of the county. Um, again, having events at the Bacon Fraser House and our Santa mailbox, always super popular. Those little tater tots walked down from First Presbyterian to put in their Santa letters. We, we um, wrote about 250 return postcards this year. And, and 
Back that up a minute, Lee. That the top left hand. Yes, sir. Who is that? That's Representative Williams. Oh, that's what he looks mm -hmm. like. <laughs> <laughs> yep, at the selfie studio. Lots of photo shoots this year. We're trying to make sure that our photography is not only good, but also diverse to represent our community. Um, so that far left is Councilman Carl Riles. That's his granddaughter. She says she's my Biffle, my best friend forever in life, in case you don't know what that means. Um, you didn't know what it meant. We have a good time together. Um, we did some photo shoots at some local businesses and then some out at Hampton Island to try to promote the girl trip type of opportunities that are here in Liberty County, things that women can do together. Ribbon cuttings, lots of ribbon cuttings in the last six months. Probably the biggest one with the governor being here for the Stephen A. Cohen Clinic on Memorial Drive. Um, and then one for downtown businesses, Bradwell Park opened, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Blues and Barbecue, September of last year, that is being rebranded this year into Roots, Tunes, and Brews. So you won't have Blues and Barbecue in its normal fashion. You'll have something a little more expanded. Nothing that we do would be possible without volunteers. So that young lady in, on the bottom and the young lady at the top are both volunteers at that event. Not the one on the left, because I was working. Um, we did a t-shirt, actually Emma designed this one, um, for breast cancer awareness back in October. Local stores sold it and we um, stopped traffic in the middle of Main Street to take a photo of all the ladies wearing it. Food Truck Festival, we do have one of those in March and October, hugely popular events in Liberty County. Um, the last one had about 17,000 people and we just can't hardly keep up with how many folks are coming out. So we're excited about the next one, which is March 25th. Of course, we helped with SPLOS funding. You recognize some of the, the photos and the people in those photos. We're very happy to see that pass and happy for the part that we play in that. Hinesville for the Holidays is something that we helped with for the last several years. Um, they've had virtual events, but they did go back to their in-person event this last year. Christmas Parade, our 26th annual, was back in December. Um, we did Christmas around the world, so encouraging folks to represent different countries. And that was leading into our accolades. I celebrated my 12 year anniversary with the chamber and the CVB in January. Miss Phyllis celebrated three years, Desiree two years, and then Emma's at a year. Um, our Leadership Liberty class raised $20,000 in the last year for Kiwanis to install um, playground equipment, special needs playground equipment in local parks. So we're very proud of those folks. They did a Jalen bail and they're doing another one in April to raise even more money for that effort. Um, I went to D.C. Um, with CGMAC, the Coastal Georgia Military Affairs Coalition, in support of Liberty County and Fort Stewart. We participated in Third ID Day at the Capitol. We received $5,000 in ARPA funds from the county. Um, Emma received a scholarship, like I said. I completed the Georgia Young Game Changers. Believe it or not, they can still consider me to be young. Um, and we continue to educate our community on the importance of tourism, film, and festivals through radio and news interviews. Some of the posts that were the most popular for us in the last six months, that was one of the biggest drug busts on the East Coast that happened here in the 70s um, when Miss Margie's 2 opened in Waltyreville. Very, very popular. That's all organic reach, no paid reach. And that was a meteor that fell. I don't remember what it said. Everybody thought it was a UFO. And we found it in an old Liberty County history book. Very popular. Upcoming events, Small World Festival here in downtown Hinesville is on March the 4th. And then again, that food truck festival I mentioned is March 25th. Any questions? Might have set a record. <laughs> yes, sir. Just a couple. I noticed all your pictures, nice photographer. Thank you. 
What did y'all do with the Rice Fest this year? What did we do with Rice Fest? We did their billboard. Emma's probably going to have to help me because she did it all. Facebook. You want to speak up? Because I don't know. I don't. Billboard and Facebook. As much as they would possibly let us do, sir. Okay. <clears throat> now, on your calendar, and I think this has been an issue that we always talk about when we go to our county wide retreat, <clears throat> coming up with a calendar. Calendar? So that we won't have things clashing with each other. Yep, we where, do. Where are we with that? Has anything been done with that issue? We have a community calendar planning meeting in January and July, and we invite anybody in the community to come to that. It's put out as a Facebook event for anybody, and then it's sent out via email to as many email addresses as we have. Um, we had about 35 people. We had It was standing room only at the Ameris Bank community room for folks to try to de-conflict those calendars, so to hand out their dates and try to share that information. Um, unfortunately, some people do believe that their event's big enough, they can still have it, even if somebody else has something the same day. That's not always true, but we try as hard as we can. Unfortunately, we are, we're not able to restrict date use. Like March 4th for Small World Festival, I think there's three other events that day. And uh, back to, let's say, the Rice Press, I know there were at least about 20,000 down there this year at, at wow. the Rice Press. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's large mm -hmm. down on for Little Riceboro, Georgia. Right. But uh, in another place that we need to try to sell these two places, the Rice Press and the Dorchester Historical Center, there have been a lot of improvements down there. You're talking about Dorchester Academy? Dorchester Academy. Yeah, we right. take groups there all the time. We've taken spouse tours there I don't know how many times. We work um, very closely with Mr. Baker and now with Dr. Washington since she's the new chairman of that board. Mm -hmm. um, actually, Ms. Bacon just texted me a minute ago because I think Commissioner Gilliard is speaking there next week. So she just sent me the flyer to get out for the event that's next week. Okay. I, but I, the, the best, I'm sorry, I, sir. I, Yes, sir. Oh, okay. No, I'm joking. Oh, I'll say it had your name on it. I was pretty sure I read it right. I think the biggest thing that would help us is if we got that information sooner, because I literally just got it today and it's next week. So we're going to push it as hard as we can. But if people have longer to plan, and Pat will probably tell you the same thing from a newspaper perspective, if they get it sooner, they can put it out faster. Okay. Any other Which, questions? Uh, Sharon sent us out the email about the calendar planning when she was here. So now you, your staff is for CB, CBB is how many, one, two people? I am now two full-time people. We just hired our second full-time person. And your chamber? The chamber is the other side. We're bigger. We're five full, or five-ish. Whenever we're fully staffed, we have seven people total for chamber and CBB. And then we have Miss Phyllis, who is our volunteer, and she does 20 hours a week for free. She does a great job. So these two are now separate? Well, we always have been separate. So we keep our books completely separate. The chamber and the CVB have completely different bank accounts, different boards, different everything. The chairman is on the CVB board and then the chamber board. Ooh, that's where the money at. <laughs> <laughs> the chamber board chairman is Mr. Joe Ford. He just um, took office in January. Okay. All right. The CVB funds, though, until I became educated, they're very restrictive. You can only very. use it. Yep. It's very, like, very restricted. It's not what you think until you get it, then you find Nope, out. and there's um, reports that I have to submit every year, and now to, where'd she go? Oh, Samantha, wherever she went, mm -hmm. um, that I have to submit to her every year that she has to submit to the state to have them audited. So it's very restricted. So the funding for the CBB, what can it be used for real quick? Just marketing. Marketing? Mm -hmm. okay. 
working. But it cannot be used to help with constructions of another? No, we are, we have started receiving the tourism product development funds, but the county is currently holding, and, and so are the city in Hinesville and the city of Flemington to use eventually for an event center, if that is what everybody agrees on. Um, but those funds have just started coming in. Hinesville is not getting theirs yet. Their legislation is not passed. But once that happens, everybody has to agree on what the funding will be used for. Then that could be used for construction. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, we're the not event, there yet. Well, you're not there, but you're going. You're we're headed, headed that, that way. way. Okay. All right. Justin. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, just a couple of things. Uh, Leah, I was, um, well, I, I had a wrote down Rice Fest as well because, um, I mean, you, you said that um, y'all do support them as much yes. as they let you. And I, I kind of heard some comments that was a little contrary to that, but, mm -hmm. you know, that may or may not be the case. But I, I did want to ask that what Commissioner Stevens did. And um, we have a representative from, from ESG. And, um, that's always telling me that she's running to a chamber meeting. I didn't see no pictures <laughs> of her, but I'll, I'll handle that when I see her. In, when I see her in the morning, she, but she ain't, she's not there when y'all taking pictures. So I don't, she's there. I don't, I don't know when Miss she's, Jeannie when is she's, great. When she's telling me that's where she's going. She, she probably might, is the one taking and that's, the pictures. That's twice a week she tells me that. So like, oh. She'd have been here don't at, get least, at least in trouble. one time. Uh-uh. Don't get okay. Miss Jeannie in trouble. <laughs> Couldn't live without her. And her, um, she's on our y'all committee, our Young Adult Liberty Leaders. But she, she sent me that picture. The, yeah, she does a great job with the teenagers okay. they really respond very well to her and to address the rice fest thing I, we really do help as much as they will let us help okay. Okay. um so we and chairman lovett sat in those meetings where we discussed that so i'm sure he could offer insight at some point if you needed more gonna okay. have, we're gonna meet again yes okay <laughs> well I, I don't i just think it was just some maybe some hit and miss but you know, yeah, yeah. Um, to say that yeah. as much as they will allow, and then you hear another side that's a little contrary to that, but that's that could be worked out. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I'm and I'm going to work out the part when I <laughs> do not make Miss Jeannie mad at me. When I, I see Sister Jeannie in the morning, I need her. I, I hope she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Leah. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, the, oh, sorry. This historic sign in front of your place is it? It was hit by a drunk driver about a year ago. Um, they abandoned their vehicle and just left it there. Um, and I forget the young, the lady who sent me a picture of it like six o'clock on a Sunday morning. And it has been ordered, the replacement one, but it takes about 18 months because they're cast, they're iron, I guess, and they're cast. So we've got about six more months to wait before the new one comes in. Okay. Takes a very long time. The delivery thing. Any other questions? All right. Thank you. Thank yes, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff, can you beat that? Uh, I can't talk that fast, but I'll try to beat that brief. <laughs> no, he's not, he brought not with that, tonight. Not with that thick book that Kelly uh, passed out. You, you're, not, you're not planning on reading that, are, are you, Jeff? <laughs> yes, sir, I am. I, I'm yeah. going to spend the first 30 minutes talking about <laughs> yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk to you about the cover on it. <laughs> Uh, good evening, Chairman Lovett, members of the commission. As Mr. Gillard pointed out, uh, Kelly did put a big book, a 300-page book, in front of each one of your desks there, and that's what I'm here to talk about tonight. You can see the, uh, uh, in addition to unincorporated Liberty County, we've got the other six cities in Liberty County on, the here, on this uh, front cover here. So this is a unified development ordinance, just like it reads. Uh, that is supposed to replace the zoning and subdivision regulations for Liberty County, Hinesville, and the other six municipalities. Uh, you are the 
seventh of eight that I've presented this to so far. So I've put one of these books in every city councilman and every mayor's hands thus far. Uh, you're the you're the second to the last, and I'm going to to uh, Gum Branch on Monday night to present the last batch of these. And after that, we will be trying to facilitate the adoption process, and I hope to get that done sometime between now and June. And uh, this will be the first major update of zoning in Liberty County in 50 years. Uh, the wow. Zoning in Hinesville and Liberty County began uh, in about 1975 with the uh, reemergence of Fort Stewart. Mm. And so what, we, what we've had in place for the last 50 years are the ordinances that you currently have and that the city of Hinesville have. And what, we, what the LCPC uh, was charged with when we were first created was to try to unify these ordinances. And it's taken a long time to do that because we've been in place for almost 20 years. Uh, but we finally have, uh, we, we got, got a committee together a few years ago. We had uh, folks from the engineering community, the development community, the environmentalist community. We've had input from everybody. Uh, Planning Commission has had a number of workshops on this. So what you have here is a recommendation and kind of pulled it all together, a recommendation from the Planning Commission for a unified zoning development ordinance for all of Liberty County. So I'd like to just kind of go through this very briefly and hit the highlights. I definitely don't intend to uh, cover even a fraction of what's in this book. Uh, again, this is just simply to try to unify zoning for Liberty County, Hinesville, and all the other smaller cities uh, into one unified development ordinance. And part of the reason for needing to do that, and in addition to just make it simpler and easier to do business in Liberty County, is as you've grown and you've continued to grow, we've we, we kind of finished up uh, starting on a third decade of pretty significant growth in Liberty County. With all this growth, you're kind of bumping up against each other. Uh, you're bumping up against places in Midway and Hinesville, bumping up against Flemington. So it, it's really important to try to have these, these ordinances uh, that are in each municipality and in the county kind of being consistent with each other so that we, you, you, you can have a good pattern of growth. So that's part of the justification for trying to have a unified development ordinance. Uh, amendments, it is complicated to try to pull everything together into one unified ordinance. Uh, so this, that we had to build some flexibility into this. So there's some things that you're going to want that other people aren't going, other, other cities aren't going to want. There's some things that Hinesville is going to want that you aren't going to want. So we've, we've, we've made it flexible in the sense that, you know, you, that there, there's a basic set of rules that apply to the entire county. But if Hinesville wants to have an overlay district that just applies to Hinesville, we've built that into this ordinance. And, and uh, Midway's got some, uh, some unique things, and we built that into this ordinance as well. So we've tried to, to have a unified ordinance, but allow people to have their own individual uh, preferences and identities as well. So this is basically organized like, uh, like most development ordinances. We got you know, the, the main things are the zoning ordinance and the subdivision ordinance, and then the rest of it is just how we uh, implement those things. And the zoning districts, uh, this was probably one of the more complicated parts of the thing, is trying to meld all these zoning districts uh, into one set of, uh, of districts for the county. We've got currently, uh, with all the, all the zoning ordinances we have, and you have one, Hinesville's got one, the smaller cities each have their own ordinances too. So when I bring out a new planner, it's pretty difficult to get them trained up to, uh, to work the counter because you know, you gotta find out first where they are, which jurisdiction they're in. That's not always easy because Half the county think they live in Midway, and they don't. Midway's a pretty small geographic area, but you know, half, half the people are addressed to Midway, so they think they live in Midway. So it's, it's, it's kind of complicated, but um, you know, currently we have multiple 
multiple ordinances that we have to pull out and go through. And currently we have 31 zoning districts in the whole county. And what this, this UDO, this is the, this is the table of districts in, the, in this book that you're, you're looking at. We've rolled that down to 20 districts. And we took some of the best, and we think we took the best of uh, all the ordinances, like the, uh, the C's there, you'll recognize, you, don't, you won't recognize that in yours. Your commercial districts are all B's. Uh, but we've, uh, we've, we've adopted Hinesville's C1, C2, and C3 districts because we think those are more robust and, and, and more suited for a growing community. But uh, like you'll see there, uh, the a A1 and AR1, those are your ag districts and your agricultural residential districts. That's pretty much the same. That, nothing is changing in that. And I, I had the GIS folks look today. 60% of the county is zone A1 or AR1. So 60% of the county are not really um, going to see any, any change as far as their, their zoning requirements uh, as, as far as uh, this new ordinance is concerned. So these are all the different categories. We've tried to create new categories, and we've also got a table here that converts your current. This is, this is all of Liberty County's current zones, and this is the UDO. So everything has an automatic conversion. Like A1 converts to A1, AR1 converts to AR1. No, no change there. But uh, if you jump down to uh, to the business area, anything you've got zone B1 will convert to C2. Anything you've got B2 will convert to C3, and so on. So everything will automatically convert. And we spent a lot of time on this, just trying to make sure that no one would lose any development rights. And I'm pretty satisfied that uh, this kind of keeps everybody neutral as far as the conversion from the old to the new zone. And this is just, I didn't get all the zoning maps, but I did want to present enough of them that you could see uh, what, you know, what's uh, being proposed here. This is a zoning map for the Midway area. I said half the county thinks they live in Midway. This is really the city limits of Midway. You can see the original circle. You can say they got uh, both parts of both sides of the road down to the interchange here at exit 76. So then this kind of shows the unincorporated area around Midway as well. You can see that it's pretty seamless when you go from uh, from inside the city limits to outside the city limits under this new um, unified development ordinance. One thing I would point out to you, uh, like the, uh, you can even see the color codes here, the yellows and the browns and the oranges, those are the residential areas. The reds and the blues are the, are the more business type areas. So I just wanted to point that out to you. And of course, one thing unique to Midway is they got that interstate, uh, interstate commercial corridor there and that's, that's still in place there. That's one of the things that Midway thought was important and they wanted to keep. Uh, this is the Hinesville area. Just show you can see this is just showing the South uh, Hinesville area. You can see the most probably this is probably the population center of Hinesville. It's where the most dense uh, development is along. That's the railroad track for Fort Stewart, South Main, Highway 84. So this is that area. You can see a lot of residential zones there, but you can also if you go to Highway 84. You can see the commercial zones going along Highway 84. Veterans Parkway and then out EG Miles Parkway. And then this is one of the Flemington area. You can just kind of see how Hinesville and Flemington have kind of grown together over time. And you can see how, how the two of those joined together. I pointed out earlier that uh, you know, part, of the, part of the reason why we needed to have a unified development ordinance <coughs> is because we are growing together. Uh, as, as property becomes more developed and more land becomes more scarce, we'll be growing together even more. Another thing I want to point out here is just the prevalence of PUDs. And one of the things that we did was we update, upgraded the standards for PUDs. Uh, and just to kind of point out some of them that you see here, this, this one right here is Tranquil South. Uh, 
done, they started about five years ago, been very successful. They've built about 250 lots in here and Flemington's getting ready to consider another 250 lots. They're right there behind the Performing Arts Center. This is Flemington Village Pod. This is the area, uh, the new Publix is going here. The, Chick the new Chick-fil-A is going there. This is all the residential development behind that off of that Flemington Village Boulevard. It goes right back into the city of Hinesville here and uh, Dryden's got another 800 or so residential units down here. So these are all zoned PUD. PUD is the most prevalent new development that we have in the county now. They've kind of gotten away from the old traditional R1, R2, R3 zones. And most everything now is a PUD because it gives them more flexibility and allows them to uh, have smaller lots and, and they, have, they have more, mm. they, can, they can work around the wetlands easier <laughs> with, the, with the PUD zoning. So that's been, I, I think we PUDs are pretty much here to stay uh, as far as future developments, but I did want to just point out some major PUDs there. You know, part of the part of this update is to uh, is to kind of raise the standards for PUDs so that the community, whether you're in the county or the city, gets something in exchange for allowing developers to get increasingly smaller lots. So the zoning changes, as I said earlier, uh, AR, A1 and AR1 are relatively unchanged. What's allowed there now will continue to be allowed. The single family residential districts are the ones probably that have changed the most in name anyway. The, 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 uh, the allowed uses are still single family dwelling, but uh, the county currently has R1, R2, R3. Uh, R1 and R2 are um, your single family, or actually R1 is a single family district. R2 allows for duplexes. R3 is your multifamily district. Now if you put those over in Hinesville, those mean totally different things. In Hinesville, R1, R2, R3 are all single family dwellings. So, you got to really know which jurisdiction you're in. You can get confused. You can, you can let somebody build an apartment on a uh, single-family neighborhood if you're not, if you don't know which jurisdiction you're in. So, this unifying this development ordinance will kind of eliminate that because everybody will have unique zoning categories and there won't be that kind of um, that kind of confusion. Another thing that I've uh, we, we've updated the, uh, the the list of commercial uses. We've got we've got tables that are easier to read than what we currently have. Uh, but, you know, we do business differently than we did in 1975. There's a lot more types of uses and a lot of things that don't necessarily fit into that use that require some, uh, sometimes some interpretation about whether that fits in this category or that category. In addition to that, our ordinances kind of uh, discriminate against things like tattoo shops and health spas and kind of treat them, lump them together with adult entertainment. And these, these types of businesses don't have the same stigma that they had in 1975. So. We tried to make this uh, ordinance a little bit more uh, up to date with the times of that. Um, Jeff, yes, back up to the last slide, that one there. Okay. Um, can you put in the districts into that? It sure can. And the reason is, you know, you've got, you know, very few people understand. Midway's got a circle, mm -hmm. but you know, Flemington, me and Joey's talked about it, and probably you too, but it goes all the way to the railroad tracks. Yes, yeah, so this, this, this dark line here goes right. all the way down to the railroad tracks. And right. a lot of that is agricultural. That's so, right. you know, it'd be a good thing to see. I, I believe it might be uh, Commissioner Stevens and myself, we would join right in there. I believe you'd go in there uh, not too far from the Holmestown area, right. back in toward yeah. the post office. Yeah. So we, you know, at least let us know. Um, well, it helped me mm -hmm. um, to 
to understand, you know, where we're at and we'll be in the city limits of, of Flemington or unincorporated. So, um, and that would be unincorporated because it's not the city of Hinesville that comes the other side of it. It's not, Hinesville's not annexed to the railroad. This, this area over here that's so colorful here is Hinesville. This, this, uh, this, is, this is Flemington's original circle, but it does have this little tail that comes all the way right. down here to the railroad track. Everything outside of that is in the unincorporated county. This is the McIntosh, uh, the overpass there. Mm. Right. Okay. But I, I can definitely uh, get with our GIS folks and have a, have a district map for each of you showing what your proposed zoning would be so you can kind of analyze it more closely. But Jeff, you, you had said that um, uh, this is going to be a Publix. Where, where is that? Right Pub over there? Because the I, I know for a while they, they always refer to it as a, a grocery store. So now it is Publix. <laughs> the veil has been taken off. Okay. Okay. There's a sign up now. Oh, it's a sign? It's uh -huh. got a sign. It's a sign. Okay. So, yeah, yeah when well, I go out that way, I'm trying, to, that I'm trying to negotiate the traffic out. <laughs> uh, yeah, Keep your eyes yeah. on the road. Yeah, there's so much traffic on 84. The, the other day, um, me and my wife was coming back to Hinesville and um, I got out and walked and I beat a home <laughs> <laughs> from, from Baconfield. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Finish with the map here? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I just, I wanted to, if it's an issue, it's not a. No, it's, it's not an issue. Our, our, we've got, y'all got great GIS people. It's, it's a matter of, they, they, they do a good job with that. We can get that done. Okay. Um, this is just a, uh, this is a page right out of this book here that shows you how it's organized now. In the past, you kind of had to read it like a chapter book, but this has got uh, charts in it. You can see this is just one of the pages for a commercial district, C1, C2, C3, o, uh, office, uh, interstate commercial, and, and downtown development. You can look down for whatever use you want to consider, like funeral homes. Funeral homes are permitted in C1, C2, C3, and OI and they're a conditional use in the IC district. Again, if you look at something else like a um, laundromat, laundromats are permitted, and then if it says C here, you can see that that's a conditional use. That means that either you or Midway City Council, whoever it's in, has to grant a special permit for that. So this, we think this reads a whole lot easier, and if you're just trying to compare uh, what's allowed in the districts, it's a lot easier to look at. PUD provisions, uh, PUDs have been very popular. They've been especially popular in our cities, but you've also been asked to approve some PUDs before. And we've tried to update that to try to help get a little bit more uh, good for the community out of these and out of these PUDs in exchange for allowing these developers to, uh, to do smaller lots and more, more density. Uh, so we've, we've created these, um, these design elements here. There's 13 different elements that we think that uh, would be that the city or the county needs to needs to get out of a PUD in order to make it uh, a livable, uh, good quality of life area. We've identified the 13, and what we're what we're recommending, what this ordinance proposes, is that, that any PUD, in order to be considered for a PUD, you've got to at least provide seven of these 13. So that gives some flexibility. It doesn't just hammer the developer and say you got to come up with all these, but you, you need to figure out a way to mix in at least seven of these things. Uh, whether it be a clubhouse or bicycle facilities or common areas, you just got to figure out some way to provide some amenities in exchange for allowing these smaller lots. I mean, there is a, I think there's a, a demand in our community for smaller lots compared to 50 years ago when everybody wanted a half acre or an acre. People aren't wanting that kind of lot size anymore. And 
so in exchange for allowing smaller lots, there still needs to be places for kids to go play and, and for people to be able to uh, you know, enjoy nature. So uh, these are just, I invite you just to look at this, look at these, this list of things in the book and you can see. Mr. Chairman, I uh, have a question. The PUD, are they under the HOAs or is that up to the developer or can they be? Most PUDs that we've had here are do have an HOA associated with it, but they're usually created by the developer. And when the developer sells out the PUD, uh, whoever the residents are, they elect the PUD directors and assess the money and, and that sort of thing. Okay, and that I get, well, these are smaller lots. Okay, right. go ahead. Right. I mean, the PUDs don't have to be smaller lots, but most of the PUDs that we've, we've seen in the last 10 years that I've been here have been relatively small lots, you know, so the, from the four HOA to six. and covenants are different. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, covenants, most, most, most developments have had, subdivisions have had covenants over the years, over the 50 years. A new development will have private covenants, but a HOA is a, a group of people, or it's, a, it's, a, it's really a private governance thing that's that set up with the people that live there to kind of maintain the sign and make sure that the grass gets cut and, and the common areas and stuff. Okay. Okay, I think that's, uh, that's that's pretty much the end. I, I know you've had a long night, but uh, we, we've, we've got some improvements in there as far as site plans, like um, we've, we've got a, mod a modified process for minor minor changes. If somebody wants to come in and just put in a very simple development, we've, we've provided some provisions in there where they can turn in a, a sketch to the staff and, and without having to go pay $50,000, no, no offense, Trent, go pay $50,000 to an engineer <laughs> to, do a site plan if they're not really doing any detention and they're not doing anything that's going to have a, a major impact we've put together a, a thing in, in some cases where you can come in and submit a, a simple site plan uh, that you drew yourself and we can approve that so just trying to be user friendly as much as we can uh, i think that's pretty much all the things i wanted to, to emphasize again as i said at the beginning uh, you're, you're the second to the last monday will be uh, gum branch and then after that i'll be trying to facilitate public hearings every the county and each of our seven cities will have to will be required to have a public hearing in order to adopt this. So, uh, we'll be our staff will be trying to coordinate that with you and the other cities to try to move forward with the adoption process. So, I'll be glad with that. I'll be glad to answer any questions that you have. Chairman, I have one question. Okay. Jeff, um, I, re I remember you know from um, I think years ago. I think it was kind of said that you know new subdivisions. Uh, I thought it was a requirement that they they had to have um, curb and gutter streets. They absolutely but, do. But I, I do remember um, in the last couple of years that in some subdivisions they are allowed to do something that's more eco-friendly. You know that you you can just have um, for the environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, so is is that part of part of this plan, or is it still that they have to have curb and gutter, or you can you can do either or? The, the general rule is you've got to have curb and gutter. If you're going to do a subdivision, you've got to have curb and gutter. But we do have a provision there for conservation subdivisions that hasn't right. been taken okay. advantage of very much. There haven't been many of them approved. But Auburn Ridge, I think, off of Charlie Butler and Midway was approved by the uh, Midway City Council uh, as, as a new subdivision with paved roads, but it had ditches and swales. Mm -hmm. And that that's that's the one that I remember during my 10 years here. But we haven't had many that were approved without the standard curb and gutter. Yeah, well, you know, 
I, I remember it being said, and this was, you know, this was 10, 15 years ago that right. that's, that was the standard. Right. But I think um, in the last you know, three to five years, mm -hmm. there, there have been taught that you could do something a little different. Right. Okay. That's, that's definitely uh, it's, it's provided for in there, but you've got to make your case, and the city or the county has to approve that, and it's, it's happened very sparingly. Yeah. No, I hadn't seen many of them, but um, right. I, I do know that it was, it was kind of a hard, fast rule at one time, but it's right. kind of been uh, amended a little bit. And the, the, just a couple months ago, the Devon North PUD that y'all approved uh, had a provision for that. And I think they, they would need to work that out with the county engineer and make sure that those roads, uh, those, those roads would uh, be acceptable to the county. But uh, that, that was something okay. that y'all considered at the time. And I guess another thing, you said that you was going to Gun Branch. I mean, you, Connie's headed that way in a few minutes. You, 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 you could just send that, send that by her and save, save yourself a trip. That's all I have. Um, you mentioned the town public hearings, but I'm thinking about your your builders and developers. They, how will they get a, to look at this? No, I'm sorry. This is, this is online on our website, the lcpc.org. We've, yeah. we've produced about 50, almost 60 of these for all of our local government officials. Okay. But it is available online uh, yeah. that, that you can look at it in its fullness with, with the maps. Yeah. 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 Well, I was just thinking for them to be, in case they want to, you know, preview it. Right. And chime in. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely available, and if they want to come to the office, we can uh, we can look into either producing them a copy at their at, 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 with a little bit of cost sharing, or let them look at our copy. But yeah, well, I'm, it's, well, it's a it's a pretty big endeavor to I make a bunch of these. I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure. But they'll be coming to the office, and you can <laughs> and make them aware of that time. All right, so thank you. Thank you. Now we have with us from the Liberty College and Career Academy, Ms. Carissa Young. I was privy to a presentation uh, maybe no more than a month ago about something called Option B. Um, I think most of us may be familiar with doing enrollment uh, that the school system offers, but this is a, a new twist, uh, a new amenity, if you will, for education. So Ms. Young, welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Chairman and Commissioners. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Again, my name is Carissa Young. I'm the CEO and Principal of Liberty College and Career Academy. And um, yes, as Chairman did ask me to come and share some information about Senate Bill 2, also known as Option B Graduation Plan. But I'd be remiss if I didn't share just a little bit of information about <laughs> LCCA as well. Um, in case you are not familiar, we say every day is career day at LCCA. We are part of the Liberty County school system. Um, and our goal is for our associates to learn the skills needed to get a job, do a job, and keep a job. So one of um, the things that we are getting ready, students ready for college and careers, um, the Liberty County school system really wants them to have opportunities to earn college credit as well as industry credentials. So at LCCA, we are on Airport Road. We currently have 19 Liberty County School System employees, and we have six Savannah Tech employees in our building. We do partner with Savannah Technical College, um, so they do actually serve our students in our building. We currently offer 21 pathways that students can choose from. Last year, we had 1,009 students. Um, our students come from Bradwell and Liberty. They come to us for half a day, so they either come in the morning or in the afternoon. 
dual enrollment students. So last year we had 225 in which our students earned 109 technical certificates of credit, um, which is not an easy thing to do. It's a, a good feat. Um, students have to have to pass three to five college courses to earn those TCCs, and I'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a minute. Here is a list of the pathways that we do offer at LCCA. Everything from animation and gaming. I don't know if you're familiar with esports, but playing video games is a huge, uh, a huge career these days. Um, so students can actually earn college uh, scholarships playing video games and esports. It's a billion-dollar industry. Uh, so we do have an esports team. Um, it is a high school sport as well. Uh, so we play other teams in the state for esports. Um, but an that's animation and gaming from aviation, audio, video, technology, and film, as you can see, um, all the way down to welding. Um, our two most popular pathways continue to be culinary arts um, and healthcare. We offer four healthcare pathways uh, for our students CNA, PCT, Allied Health, Sports Medicine, and we're looking to add into pharmacy tech next year. Um, we are working on growing our own workforce, so we want to develop that talent. Um, so once they graduate high school, they are ready to enter the workforce, or they're prepared for whatever path that they may be going into, whether it's college, the workforce, or into the military. Again, we want them to have those industry credentials. So when they come to our building, these are a lot of the additional activities that they do participate in. And a lot of um, you guys have supported us, uh, the chamber, a lot of business and industry come to our building to help with mock interview days, being guest speakers. We really believe in education outside of the four walls of the classroom. So a lot of our students go out for internships, clinicals, job shadow days, um, and then work-based learning. We have a work-based learning a program where students can, if they go to work, they get high school credit for it. So they don't actually have to attend school during that time when they are working. So, um, so those are just additional workforce development activities that we focus on um, in our building. We believe in workplace ethics. Um, we know that that is an area that employers do look for in their employees, um, and so much so that it is 25% of our students grade when they come to our building. So when we think about option B and getting students ready for the workforce, we do know that there is a current workforce shortage. And we also know that 70% of jobs nationally only require a certificate or an associate's degree. So this um, just kind of highlights, this was a couple years ago, but there was a gap, skills gap, in that certificate and associate's degree level in Georgia of over 55,000 um, employees. And as we know, that number continues to climb. Um, of needing a skilled workforce. So what we're trying to do at LCCA and, the, and um, Liberty County School System is help fill that gap and get our students these certificates and the associate's degree while they're in high school so that they can um, go into the workforce skilled and prepared. So these pathways, again, are your in-demand, high-wage, and high-skilled um, career paths. So that brings me to this program called Option B. This is not a new, it's Senate Bill 2, it's not new, but it's just not known. 
And as I'm calling it option B, as we're speaking today, um, the State Board of Education is voting on a name change. The um, Senate has put forth a name change um, to make it sound a little bit more interesting than option B. You have your, your traditional option A, if you want to call it a diploma for high school. And sometimes option B may not be as you know, flashy or, you know, is that a real diploma? So they are looking to change the name to Accelerated Career Diploma. So after today, you may no longer hear option B. It will be called Accelerated Career Diploma. But this is for students who um, know they want to go into the workforce or they may need help paying for college. It's another dual enrollment option. Um, so these students will graduate with a work-ready credential. Um, this is paid pretty much all or mostly by dual enrollment or HOPE grant. Um, it also gives the student a relevant work experience during their high school experience um, with a local employer. And then after high school, if they want to go right into the workforce, they can do that. Or if they want to go on to college, um, the HOPE grant will pay for an additional 30 hours towards that associate's degree. So what does it look like? If you're familiar with a traditional high school diploma, students have to earn about 24 high school credits within their four years um, in high school. With option B, students only have to earn nine. They take nine high school courses, and those are the courses that are listed in front of you, two English, math, science, and social studies, and then a health and PE course. And that's pretty much their ninth and 10th grade year. So then these students are simultaneously working towards two TCCs, that's your technical certificates of credit, or an associate's degree, or a diploma program um, that they're going to earn by the time they graduate high school. And then they get to have an opportunity to actually work with an employer. These are the areas, we, as again, we do partner with Savannah Technical College. Most of our students are working towards the two TCC option. We do have a few that are working towards having their associates by the time they graduate um, high school. But these are the areas right now that Savannah Tech does offer uh, for the two TCC options. So you have automotive technology, avionics, cybersecurity, early childhood, care and education, um, emergency services, manufacturing, of course, um, logistics, and welding, which are a lot of the, the areas that we focus on um, in this area. So what will it look like? And just to kind of break it down a little bit more, what a student who chooses option B, what their high school experience will look like. So in the ninth grade, they will take their typical courses that they take in ninth grade, their core courses um, from those eight uh, core courses that I mentioned before. Tenth grade, they will finish up those core, core courses, and then they will start taking their career-related dual enrollment courses. Again, with dual enrollment, students are not eligible to start until tenth grade. So this is an example of a welding student. They would start taking their welding classes in 10th grade and earn their first TCC. And then in their junior year, they only have typically one or two high school courses to take. And then they continue on with their college courses. So we have a lot of students that might go to Bradwell Liberty for one block or two blocks. And then they're on, on my campus or on Savannah Tech's campus for the rest of the day. And then their junior year, they're taking all college classes. They don't even report to um, their base high school, which we call it, Bradwell Liberty. 
Um, and they're continuing on with their college courses and earning more certificates, or if they're working towards their associate's degree, they can do that. And then in their senior year, they're ready for the workforce. So again, it's all based on the student's needs, um, what their interests are, what their goals are, so they can continue taking college classes if they want, working towards their associate's degree, or for an example, we have a welding student this year. He, he uh, continued on with his welding courses last semester. He was hired by Elon Technology at no, in November, and he's been working every day from 6 to 2.30 welding while he's a senior um, and making a, a really good wage. That's and he good. will graduate in May um, with his classmates and with the same diploma that his classmates earned. He just took this separate pathway. So again, if you know students or parents um, where they know their student may want to take reduced high school courses, or a lot of times we have students, Ms. Young, I just want to work on cars. I have a student say, I just want to work on cars, Ms. Young, I know that's what I want to do. Well, this is a path that you can, um, can take where you don't have to take the additional 24 you know, high school cl classes and not put forth a lot of effort. We want you to be successful in earning um, these college credentials because again, a lot of these um, areas are where it's high wage, high skill, and they're still gonna earn a high wage um, because they're getting these certifications prior to graduating high school. And that completes the presentation. We are always looking for partners. Um, we really appreciate all your support and the business and industry who has just really um, rallied around our programs with the district, with Savannah Tech, opening your doors, allowing our students to come in um, and do those internships and have those work experiences that's gonna help prepare them when they um, do graduate and enter the workforce. But this is my um, contact information. And you also have received a flyer. That's one of our flyers that we pass out. So it's something that you have if you know other people or you know who may be interested in this area, you can share that information. Um, how does somebody get involved with option B? They just need to let their school counselor know that that's something that they want to do or they can reach out to me as well. And then we can go through the process and getting their schedule um, set. Right. Yes, sir. Any questions? Yes, just one question, and yes, I, it may be a question for um, Mr. Chairman. I, I, Donald, I, I mean, Mr. Chairman, I think we had, I had talked with you one time, or maybe I was supposed to talk with you one time. <laughs> um, but we, we were looking at, um, I'm, I'm the public works director uh, for the city of Hinesville, and we run two wastewater plants, mm -hmm. and um, we were trying to see if, um, maybe getting a course for uh, certified wastewater operators out there. I mean, it's a good career. I mean, yes. and it's, it's going to be around, but, uh, you know, we, we have a hard time finding them and, and keeping them because of, um, you know, there's a contract out on Fort Stewart and, you know, we'll train them and get them and then they can make seven, eight dollars more an hour out there. Mm -hmm. But, but it's just hard to find certified wastewater operators in, I do remember we went out there and talked to someone, and this was probably um, four or five years ago. And I, I, did I ever talk with you about that? Yeah, Mr. we Chairman? talked about yeah, this. Yeah, we did talk about we it. We talked about this. And um, I think I mentioned it to Dr. Stubbs, I believe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know that, and you know maybe we'll uh, circle back and talk about that again. And and, and another thing, um, you know, they, I mean, it's a, it's a great program. I mean, you because know, everybody don't want to. You know, go to college and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. so having it as a good program, 
But um, do, do y'all help the kids find jobs, you know, in, in this field? We do. So we have two work-based learning coordinators, and mm -hmm. that's full-time. That's what they do. They, um, they meet with business and industry and they connect students to jobs. Okay. So that's exactly for our – he's our first option B student um, this past year, and that's how we got the connection with Elon Technology and getting him placed. Okay. So we're continuing. We have students work-based learning in healthcare and, you know, education and business, a lot of different areas. But that's what their job is, and they actually go out and, um, you know, communicate with different business and industry and they check on their students and how they're doing but yes we are continuing to try and build those partnerships and those opportunities for students to pipeline into um, the different career areas so this your contact information uh, are you um, you have an office out at the, out the school? I'm at the Career Academy okay. yes mm -hmm. yeah we, we maybe get to contact yes. with you and come and sit down and talk about it because we, we also need um, we need help well, I don't know if y'all do heavy equipment off of, you know, We don't, don't but we are in the process of adding <laughs> okay. that okay. heavy equipment. But you mentioned that, huh? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no stone, no stones you, you, you on turn. You got mechanics and stuff like that. So, yeah, so industrial maintenance, um, automotive mechanics, yeah. we do have a cohort with Savannah Tech in that area. And I think part of the benefit of being part of the Liberty County School System, we are a charter system. Okay. And we do have the flexibility mm -hmm. to what we are to do is align the needs of our business community, of our of Liberty County, um, and our students to kind of create programs to meet your needs. So definitely, that's kind of how we added uh, fire science. That's how we're going to add heavy equipment because we know there's a need. So we can definitely look at creating a pathway um, to meet your needs in that area. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. No problem. No, nope, you're good. Yeah. You know, you didn't brag about your fire science program and how that's I know. In a collaborative. <laughs> I did it. You, you want me to brag about it? Yes, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, so just to give you an example of how we can collaborate with the community and meet the needs when it comes to a workforce, I think it was a few years ago, um, I was at a commissioner's meeting, actually, um, and Chairman Lovett and Mr. Brown actually talked about the needs for um, firefighters and that we were planning on adding um, some fire stations in the area this was when it was in the planning stages and so I said well we can how can we help you know what can we do so we kind of started doing some research um, did find out Savannah Tech had a fire science program but they told me no Ms. Young it's not in Liberty County we don't plan to have it out there you y'all can come to Savannah I said no we can't come to Savannah so what can we do so we kind of put together a firefighting advisory commission made up of Liberty County Fire Department Highsville Fire Department Fort Stewart Fire Department was on there with us initially Savannah Fire Department um, and Savannah Tech and kind of you know, we met, met all the minds together to see how we can do this. And so um, it was a great collaborative effort to bring Savannah Tech said, okay, we will hire an instructor for you guys. Um, Liberty County Fire Department, Walthourville Fire Department donated equipment. Um, Chairman Lovett sat on the um, help to guide and advise us into what to do. So we were able to actually start a fire science program for our high school students um, so they will earn their Firefighter One mm -hmm. um, certification and being able to build that pipeline. So we actually would hold the classes 
at um, LCCA and the Walthour Vilks were on the Walthour Vilks side. Um, fire station, they would go there to learn. Um, but Liberty County comes out, Hinesville, we take them to the Hinesville Fire Station, you know, to do some activities with them. So it's been a great, a great program. Um, it kind of paused a little bit once, you know, school was out during COVID, but we're back um, with the fire science program um, once again. So. Hire some of them. Yes. The county. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Good. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Thank you. Get appreciate the word out, it. So. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm like Commissioner Gill is a great program for the mm -hmm. right student. Mm -hmm. All right. Agreement collection of municipal taxes. Yes, Mr. Chairman. This is uh, actually a renewal, an updated agreement. I think the original agreement for the collection of city taxes was originally done back in around 2012. So it had not been updated for some time. Obviously, number of parcels have grown and some of those things. So uh, county attorney working with the tax commissioner and the city of Heinzel uh, all looked over that as, as did I. Um, what you have before you, kind of a little, a little bit self-explanatory, but um, page two really covers the services to be provided by the tax commissioner, which is basically the building and collection of city taxes. Uh, he will do that in conjunction with his regular tax bills, obviously, that go out, so it's not a separate run. Uh, he, he does that for them, but those purposes are laid out there, as well as the reporting that's required for the collecting of those taxes when he does our forms uh, to the Department of Revenue uh, on those basis. Uh, the section three just covers the term of the agreement. Really, really, it's a year-long agreement with automatic to renew, not to exceed 50 years. Of course, if there's a substantial change in the number of parcel splits that are done in the county or a new tax commissioner at some point in time, then obviously he or she would have to consider whether they want to perform that service uh, for the city of Hinesville. Uh, just like all of our contracts, and the last part of that section, there's termination for reasonable calls. So uh, that can be done along with general termination uh, provisions of 12 months that's in there. Um, reimbursements, uh, the county under the old agreement in 2012 uh, was recognized at $1 per parcel <laughs> to be done there. Uh, that's That's been doubled to two, two but will not exceed $9,150. It's really... Uh, very little other cost for the county per se involved with doing that since we're sending out the regular tax bills anyway and it's just going on top of those. Um, in section B of that, the payment is actually, there is a separate payment to the tax commissioner uh, that he negotiates in this case with any municipality that wants him to perform that service. In this case, he gets $2.40 per parcel on that uh, for each parcel that he collects out of that. And then section C of that, if there are any out-of-pocket expenses or other necessary equipment, uh, let's say posting of signs or uh, for the collection of any of those taxes or anything, uh, if any lawyer has to be hired to help collect the city portion of the tax, those are 100% reimbursable by the city under separate bills. So it's really only covering without extra expense, except to that to the county and tax commissioner, um, the normal billing and processing of taxes that he does on his normal tax bills. You see that the <coughs> reporting requirements in there. And then basically in, in section seven, just to note that, you know, the billing of those city taxes would go along with our taxes and the city, in this case, city of Hinesville, agrees to cooperate in that. You know, some of our 
billing times are geared around when certain boards adopt their millages. It just says that the city will recognize that and cooperate, you know, with us with that understanding. So I think with that, I can answer any questions you might have. One, you you gave a a figure of two dollars and something that would go to the tax commissioner for what piece was that? That's for the separate parcels that only line the city. So it's pieces of parcel pieces of property that are separated by parcel lines or separate tax bills. And that basically. just goes into the general fund. No, so that goes directly to the tax commissioner. The tax commission. You have that. <clears throat> That fee system is still in there then in that particular case. I mean, that would be. We say fee system, but it's. Well, I'm, yeah, just, I, I'm trying to think. At one time, the fee system was gone, and I just didn't know it was back. Well, uh, so if you remember, the, the fee system that the, the county tax commissioner used to be on really was a fee system that gave a gave recognition to the fact of percentages of taxes collected. So in, if I remember right, the fee system, if you exceeded 90%, anything above 90% of the old fee system, there was an incentive for further collection. Uh, this is a little different. Th this is just recognizing that he's performing an extra duty for the city of Hinesville and somewhat absorbing liability for that on his own for doing that. So that payment normally is directly to the tax commissioners of a county, right? So you um, that don't, uh, I guess, land mass and population does not come into play on that after it reaches a certain amount? No, sir, because- And that would have to be, you said for three years, but it's actually gonna be every time the tax commissioner that'll be elected, he'll be the one to make that decision. That's right. So how, how are you gonna have it that's right. Uh, I mean, he's got to give you what? How many days notice to to change it? I mean, you're going to have to, if he goes in office and says, I ain't fooling with that no more. Right. So right. What are we, uh, the, the cities would need to, that, that's something <clears throat> we will need to help the cities be reminded of, is that if there is going to be a potential change, hopefully not, if there is going to be a potential change in the tax commissioner, then really the way this agreement and most are worded, the incoming tax commissioner would really have to honor this agreement at least for a period of, what, uh, 10 months, right. let's say, if you have to give a year notice, assuming they're elected in November, and part of that time is under the old commissioner. So yeah, there'd be about a 10 month period in the new commissioner's regime that he or she would need to recognize this, but could go ahead and give notice that they didn't want to do it anymore. Well, and the other part about it is, is you brought a good point up that Mr. Jones is not in here, and I, I, I guess he'll be in here when we make the decision because I trust everything you're you're talking about. But my thing is, is he's going to come and approach us and say, "Yep, I can do this." Well, he's already done that. That's the reason it's before he had to agree. You don't look like him. <laughs> no, sir. He had. He's already signed. He had to agree to want to do it before the city could ever forward. draft an agreement mm -hmm. um, to do that. So, well, yes, sir, he's, it's a, it's a formality. Is already, if he feels comfortable that it's in place and he wants to present it, then we can vote on it. But I just, yeah. um, you know, ready. we want to make sure that he's 
He knows that he the, the tax over. commissioner knows what we're voting on. That's he, my main thing. He is the one that gave me the agreement. We've been in conversation for the last three months, so he's because yes. Mr. Jones, the other Mr. Jones sitting up here may have to <laughs> step in the back and get his sandwich. <laughs> I want to make sure that. All right, Chairman, take a motion. So moved, Mr. Chairman. Second. Second. Second for the discussion. All in favor, show your hands, please. All right, agreements renewed. Disaster debris monitoring services. Trash. Mr. Todd. <laughs> talking about cash, and then we're talking about trash. <laughs> trash and cash. And Mr. Chairman, commissioners. Um, so we, we put our, our RFP out on for a standby contract for our debris monitoring service. Um, it closed on January 24th of this year. We had uh, four companies give us proposals. Um, based off the, the proposals, we had an um, evaluation team, myself, uh, Tripp, and uh, Mr. Mosley. And based off of our um, score sheets, we would recommend that we picked um, Tetra Tech award the contract to Tetra Tech Debris Monitoring Service for a, a contract of three years with a one-year uh, extension if we if we chose if we choose to. That would be our recommendation with uh, Tetra Tech, sir. You feel comfortable with them? Yes, um, sir. They we've we've had Tetra Tech as of, as of now since I've been here, and um, I work pretty good with. Uh, <coughs> Tommy Webster, he's does some training, and they work good with uh, Crowder Golf with our debris Holloway. Right. So okay. they do some training, and if we wanted more training, and I've talked to uh, Mr. Wells down to public, our public works, and, and they can come in together and do training together. Chair, ready? Chair, I make a motion that we enter a contract, debris monitoring contract with Tetra, Tetra Tech. Tech. Yes, sir. Second. Motion and a second that we <coughs> in this agreement and further discussion. Debris monitoring. All in favor, show of hands, please. All right. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a good night. We're going to put you up on the agenda next time. Man. <laughs> <laughs> He's got patience. Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Brown, announcements? Only one, please. We yeah. have the uh, notices today on the ACC Annual Conference yeah, uh, that's happening in April, I'm sorry, April 27th through the 30th. There's a lot on this sheet. So mm -hmm. April 27th through the 30th. Uh, it's just very, very, very important. You have to do all that online now that Maria's gonna reach out to y'all. But if you're thinking about even booking a room there, we need to go ahead and get that in very, very soon. Because mm -hmm. that'll be that'll be all, it'll be all gone. So mm -hmm. that's the only note I have, sir. They'll be following up with you. Thank you, sir. So for the good of the order? Yes, sir. Chair, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Jones? Second. All in favor? Aye. Have a good evening. <laughs>